Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to one of the 10 best English-language Fiorentina podcasts on the internet. Welcome to Viola Station. Back in better than ever, after a very exciting 4-0 win against Inter Milan, And also, we're preparing for our second Viola Nation happy hour. Don't worry, though. Legal's already approved it. No drinking or driving. Hey, Tito. How are you doing, bud? Mike, I'm doing all right. That self-driving car is working wonders for me. How are you doing? Not too bad. Honestly, I still feel like it can't be a hangover because it's a positive thing. You know, after watching the game yesterday... So, so what is the positive version of a hangover? Just more excitement? I think scientists are still trying to figure that one out. But while we're talking <laughs> hangovers, what are you drinking today, Mike? Sorry, let me go ahead and let uh, you finish that swallow. <laughs> there you go. So I am. Figured I might as well start a little bit early. Today I, I broke with a little bit of tradition, still staying in Tuscany, but I went with the 2016 Bulgari. That sounds delightful. It is. And, and how about you? It's a little bit early. So are you able to pregame a happy hour at 10 o'clock? Uh, the short answer is no. Mike, I'm 32 <laughs> years old, maybe when I was a teenager, but now that is simply off the books. I am drinking water, but if y'all swing on by the happy hour, or I guess probably when this comes out, it will have already occurred, but you know, whatever. You'll probably see me mix an AM cocktail or two and oh boy, it's going to happen. Time is a relative thing when you're doing podcasts. I guess you're talking about it in the, in, the, in the present, but then also the future. So it's like a, you know, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure for us. Would you be Bill or would you be Ted? Oh, 
Wow. I, I think that's one of those questions that we'd have to throw out to our audience. I, I don't know if that's fair for us to answer. That's a good point. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone got any opinions? Feel free to let us know. One thing we do want to do right now is uh, on a little bit more serious note is drink our toast right now to Eric Pulgar and Simona Givotti, who both just tested positive for coronavirus as Fiorentina head back into training camp. Uh, we wish them the best, full recovery, speedy, no long-term ill effects for them or any of their family or friends or people they've been in contact, in contact with. Absolutely. Cheers. And I do feel a little bit bad about that because we also have some birthdays. Your favorite, Bartromir Dragovsky, turned 23 on Wednesday, which is just incredible to me that he's still that young. It feels like he's been around for forever, possibly because his beard is 47. <laughs> I'll just say, you know, it's like a tree. You have to take a look at the rings of the beard to see how old he actually is. <laughs> nobody believes it. Uh, I, I'm 38, and I still can't grow a beard that beautiful. So I'm very jealous. Uh, we've heard a lot of the rumors. He better stay. Uh, he has to be a staple of this club here. I want to be celebrating his 28th, 29th. I want to celebrate his 33rd birthday here in Florence. So uh, happy birthday to Bart. Hopefully one of many, many, many more. Here, here. And another birthday, someone at the pretty much exact opposite end of the club playing time and hair spectrum, recent arrival Sofyan Amrabat turned 24 on Friday. Mike, someone whose hair you can maybe aspire to. <laughs> you know, we, we definitely have uh, a lot of the same features there, except that he's just really in shape and I'm not. <laughs> so it really sucks. It really stops at the whole fact that our, our heads look the same. You know what, though? It's close enough for me. I do walk my dog. I do walk my dog now. So I, I think we're getting close to it. Yeah, you should have 90 in you by, like, the next month or two, right? No doubt. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's go ahead and start in on the most recent and most exciting thing that happened in the Fiorentina universe, which was the Fiorentina Femminile absolutely dump trucking Inter Milan four to nothing season opener Mike how are we feeling about this right now wow uh first and foremost it was a great joy to actually see that the team played the game on their website so we got to all see it around the world I know there was a lot of confusion as far as where it would be but had I not been able to watch that game live as it was playing out, it would have been such an absolute and utter disappointment. Being able to see it as it was playing. Now, again, I had a couple breaks and I actually hit you up at one point where I left to go pick up my daughter because she was crying and getting a little antsy at 2-0. I came back and it couldn't have been more than 10 minutes and it was 4-0. So I was like, what happened? It was amazing. It was such it, it, it a was exactly what we want. The way that Fiorentina played, too, I think has really got to be the takeaway here for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, Inter Milan, despite the name, is not actually a very good team. This is only their second year in Serie A. They finished seventh last year. They're not real impressive. No Ilaria Maro for them either, which I think probably made a difference. A slightly more clinical striker could have seen them on the score sheet, and we know that Ilaria is that. But nevertheless, the way that Fiorentina played, particularly in the midfield, Cincotta did change formation, as we predicted, with yep. all the new signings. 
But instead of going to three at the back, he went for a diamond midfield, and it worked so well. Tessel Middog in the holding role is just a pit bull. She wins every single loose ball in front of the defense, always so calm, so assured, really liked her, loved Greta Adami wearing the armband too, which was super cool to see, very happy for her, and she had a superb game. Definitely a little bit more reserved, stayed back, did a lot of covering for Frederica Togerson when she went forward. Also, Frederica at right back. Crazy and incredibly effective. Marta Mascarello, big shout out to Steph, former guest here and writer at the AC Milan offside and various other places. Highlighted Mascarello is one to watch this year. And sure enough, how about Marta hitting an absolute stunner for the third goal and then setting up the first with a lovely little pass for Togerson on the overlap to cross to Sabatino. Uh, Mascarello, much freer role on the left side of that diamond than Adami had. Really fluid going forward. And then at the point of that diamond, Claudia Neto, who is just clearly a class above with the ball at her feet, watching her dance around defenders in the middle with so much attitude, watching her give that little simmer down gesture to Bartlonova after a tackle was so cool. Just that swagger. I don't think we've ever seen a midfield like this for Fiorentina women's, and it makes such a difference in how the team plays. They can control games now in a way they never have, and I think that that might mean they're really ready to take that next step on a European level. It's definitely there. The takeaway that I have just from listening to you, and, and you made so many great, uh, brilliant points, you didn't even talk about our forwards. You didn't even talk about the strikers. There were a couple opportunities, yes, that maybe we could have converted. But other than that, they, they were great. The movement was phenomenal. You know, they were able to uh, set themselves up for a lot of those passes. You mentioned Togerson. I thought that she had one of the best games. You know, the opportunities that she had coming in from the side, crossing them into the middle, she really gave every opportunity for our forwards to put that ball home. I was impressed across the board. There really wasn't an area where you were left to, to, to wonder what, what's going on. I, I thought defensively in the midfield and moving forward, we were great. And I think the most important thing is this is a squad that is relatively brand new playing together. There's a couple of people who have actually played together over the past few years, but everybody else is just brand new. And when that happens, you always look at the first game and you wonder – are they going to be able to gel? Have they had enough opportunity? We know that they had one of their practice scrimmages get canceled as a result of a fire. For me, what I saw on that pitch was exactly what we expected. And it goes back to a, a couple of reasons. You've mentioned them as players. But the other reason is, is coach. Uh, Antonio Chincota is once again brilliant as usual. The way that he was able to get the women in positions of their strength, leverage that strength, and then close it down. In my opinion, he's far above the rest. You know, that's exactly what we need from a coach. Rocco Camiso went out there, and I know that there was a lot of, I guess, confusion might be the word, you know, as you see a couple of our players leave. But what came in, you can see that Rocco cares deeply about it. You could see Joe Baroni at the game and, and, and Joseph Camiso. Everybody was excited. 
there, there's no lack of, of enthusiasm there. And, and on enthusiasm, I, I just want to mention here, you know, we'll be coming out with an article on the Go Women's. I think what the Go Women's did yesterday was absolutely amazing. So just pay you know pay attention. We'll have an article with a whole bunch of pictures that gives a little bit more of a deeper insight into the to the game and to uh, the fanaticism there. We will have a bunch more coverage of the women's team this upcoming year. Really excited to dig into that, especially as they enter a new cycle, like you said, with a bunch of new players. Five new signings in the starting eleven. Can you once they get all on the same page and synced up? This team is going to be terrifying. They're so fluid going yeah. forward. You can see the class in defense. I mean, it's really hard to nitpick a 4 nothing win. I, but I did think they were still a little bit vulnerable, particularly in that channel between Zanoli and Tortelli on the left side of the defense. But also those are two young defenders. Zanoli is still a teenager for crying out loud. They're only going to get better. And they're going to improve very quickly, especially with someone like Louise Quinn back there directing traffic. I'm just so excited for this team. I think this is the most excited I've ever been for a Fiorentina Femminile season. And again, I'll say it, we haven't even talked about the strikers, the forwards. When we have, when we have a couple like Benetti and Sabatino, Sabatino scores two. Her first two, it, 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 was, it was beautiful. Uh, and I don't know if you've caught it after the game. She she dedicated uh, both of those goals, I think all of the goals that she scores this year to her father. So this is definitely a season that she's emotionally invested in. And when you take a talent like her and you give her purpose, that's going to be something that uh, Betty Femenelli need to be worried about. Sabatino is just, she's just ridiculous. I mean, she's not the fastest. She's not the strongest. But I don't think there's a striker in the league that is better at being in the right place at the right time. She is just a pure poacher. That doesn't leave with age. I think I saw a stat. She is the only player to have scored at least one brace in each of the past 12 seasons in the top flight. And she got that out of the way quick. She's just incredible. When you have Lana Cleland, you've got Gimonte. You've got Sarabaldi even can play up front as your depth options. Holy smokes. This team yeah. is just so loaded. The, the person that I equate her to, and, and I, I need to set this up from, from not holistically, is Higuain. She reminds me of Higuain a lot. If, if Higuain was a lot harder working, Higuain's always in the right place. He, he knows how to slot that ball home. He knows where to be when the cross is coming in. He's just not a hardworking person. I, I think she's a lot like him, just much better at being disciplined to the sport, and hopefully we'll continue to see that. You got to hope so. I mean, just there were a few, a few plays where you could see that she wasn't on the same page as everyone else on the team. And once she is fully meshed in, they're all on the same page, keeping in mind, too, that this – Diamond midfield setup is brand new for Chincote. He's always played a yep. flat 4-4-2. And so even the, the, the returning players were having to pick this up on the fly a little bit. I'm not going to go out and say that Fiorentina are winning the Scudetto because Juventus are still very good. Milan have made some improvements. But it's really hard to imagine Fiorentina finishing outside of the top two if they keep playing like this. What a team. 
give him a couple more weeks, which in Coda coaching, and you saw him on the sidelines the whole game, running up and down, telling them where to go. As there was water breaks, you saw him backpedaling and, and talking about positioning. He is just the best coach in that league, and I think that he is going to be the difference maker if we do win the Scudetto again. That is probably why the combination of that talent coming together so quickly under his tutelage. Also, let's just go ahead and shout out Antonio Cincota getting that haircut. Went from surfer <laughs> dude to like super clean cut, cool college professor. Very good look for him. My compliments. Well, he is a college. He is a college professor. So, really, <laughs> if you think about it, all of what you said is probably true because the pandemic hit. He grew this, and I told him it's like a Bee Gees looking beard. Uh, grew the hair out very long, and and did. He went to the beach, and and you know, hey, maybe he was surfing. Then he comes back, and it's business time again. So now he's the college professor, back on the pitch, doing his thing. So good. Okay, so we could we could wax rhapsodical about that performance for probably the next two or three hours. We're going to try to confine ourselves here. The one other really interesting thing about this opener against Inter, it was Kappa's competitive debut as Fiorentina's outfitter. Mike, what did you think about the jerseys? So I was watching the, the warm-ups of the game, and I actually enjoyed the jerseys that they were warming up in. I think there's really only one difference, and it is that band. And you've heard a lot of people, it's been debated ad nauseum. I get it. I am definitely not a fan of that thick white band with that triangle up on the top there. I think all purple looks much better. And that opinion was fully cemented as I was watching the women's team warm up in all purple. They looked great. I think you just nailed it. Absolutely dead on. A lot of concerns initially when the kit got leaked. What was that, two weeks ago? And then last week, or no, this past week, excuse me, uh, when the official launch occurred. I think there was a pretty lukewarm reception, let's go ahead and say. Like you said, those real thick white bands on the ends of the sleeves had a lot of people pretty upset. I think also because the sleeve length, those sleeves just seem long. They seem like they hit at the elbow. With, with that white band. With the new handball rule about anything on the, on the sleeve being, being clean and anything below it being a handball, those long sleeves could be a tactical issue. We could see a lot of Matthias de Ligt stuff. I think in practice, the shirts looked so good. I, you're right. The all purple was great. I'd love to see him with white shorts because I am just a sucker for the purple with the white shorts. I think that's my favorite look. Yeah, even the even the sponsorship and the badge and the logo, which seemed pretty oddly placed in a lot of the pictures we've seen, very, very high up on the chest, almost right under the collar, so it all looks like strangely crowded. I thought it was fine. I mean, not great, but fine. Admittedly, I don't know much about Kappa. I don't. You know, growing up playing football, basketball, baseball in the United States, uh, you know, I've, I've been previewed more towards Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, Reebok. So getting to understand Kappa is something that's new to me. I've spoken my opinion as far as the band, but everything else that I saw on the jersey, and particularly that warm-up jersey, I thought was great. My only other wish going into this season, and before we transition fully away from uh, Fiorentina Feminelli, is I would love for Kappa to get fully behind Fiorentina Feminelli 
and start putting together shirts, not just jerseys, but t-shirts and, and other clothing equipment that fans of Fiorentina Feminelli, specifically Fiorentina Feminelli, uh, can purchase, you know, because I love having my Fiorentina gear. I have my scars, I have my t-shirts, I don't have jerseys, I, you know, for whatever reason, I just don't wear them. But I would love to have Fiorentina Feminelli gear and start repping that a lot more than uh, than I have the ability to, to do now because there isn't anything. I will actually do you one better. If you look on the Fiorentina store right now, you cannot get a men's cut Fiorentina women's jersey, which is kind of a bummer because mm. I think that's probably what I would do this year. I would absolutely wear a Bonetti 10. I would consider uh, maybe a mid-dog. I can't do Mascarella because I think that number 12 is still a goalkeeper number and I refuse to wear it, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I would, I would absolutely love to get one of those that is cut for me. And since I'm a fairly large person, and I think that those Kappa shirts tend to fit from what I've heard pretty tight, I think having one that's cut <laughs> specifically for men would be great. Yeah. So Kappa, that's if you're listening, yeah. Oh, t-shirt is safer for everyone. No one wants to see me like a sausage busting out the casing. And uh, we're going to go to an ad break now while I try to stuff myself back into this casing, but we will be back in a sec. Don't go anywhere. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, having covered all of that, I think it's time that we moved on to what everyone is talking about. If they're not talking about Fiorentina Femminile beating the stuffing out of Inter Milan, and that is, of course, the transfer market. Right now, we're hearing more stories about central defenders, it seems like, than anything else. Tiago Silva, who had been linked for a while, although kind of dubiously, sure enough, sounds like he is going to Chelsea rather than Fiorentina. No huge surprise, although it is too bad. Superb player would have added quite a bit to the locker in Tuscany. I mean, he'd improve any team he joins. But the two names that have popped up recently that I'm a little bit interested in are not unexciting, particularly Armando Izzo, who I really like as a player. At Torino, he is... Oh, shoot, I'm on the wrong page of my notes. I'm on the right page of my notes. Armando Izzo, he's 28 years old. He's not the biggest guy, but he's pretty quick. According to TMW, Fiorentina have asked about him, but not submitted a formal offer. Uh, This last season, 37 appearances, three goals, six yellow cards, two red cards. So he does have a little bit of that rashness in him. Very comfortable playing on the left of a back three, which feels quite significant. Mike, what are your thoughts on Izzo? I like him. My personal opinion, more so than just is he a technical fit inside of the club, I like the way that he can come in and be, you mentioned the amount of cards he has. I like the fact that he comes in with attitude and can actually be an enforcer. When you take a look at this squad, this squad is still built on youth, and you're not finding anybody who's going to help. If Chiesa's getting kicked and knocked down, Sotil when he comes in, Vlahovic, all our young players, when they're getting picked on by a lot of those big 
older guys, we need somebody who's going to come in, in my opinion, have that chutzpah and, and uh, take care of business. I like everything that I've seen from Itza over the past few years. I really have. And I know that there's been a couple rumors in the past about him. I would love to personally see him coming in, playing that third. So again, we're talking about Petzela Malinkovic Itza. That is my preference of the back three moving forward. Casares moves to a uh, uh, substitute position. I agree with you completely. I love the idea of him on the left of that back three. He's so good there. Like you said, too, that leadership. I mean, you need a defender with a little bit of nastiness. Petzela mm-hmm. is tough as nails. I mean, he's busted his face and watching him come back out wearing the mask. No one can doubt that he is just fearless. Uh, Milenkovic is just so big, he can't be afraid of anything. He's just too large. Nothing can threaten him. But no one's got that, that real meanness, that willingness to be just unpleasant. And I think that Itzel does have that. Also worth yeah. noting that he's captain Torino now for a couple of years. So he's got that leadership ability. The only problem I see with him is that he does have a while left on his contract, extended in 2019 up through the 2024 season. So it'd probably take a decent amount to pry him away. He is one of Torino's better players, although depending on how he fits under new coach Marco Giampaolo, that could change things. But I, I think he does a lot of the same things that Casares does. He's very comfortable in space. He's very good at pushing up the pitch and pressuring high up which is not something we usually associate with Giuseppe Iacchini's tactics, but that we did start to see a little bit more towards the end of the season after the restart. I thought that Federico Ceccarini in particular was great at that. So I can definitely see Itzel being a great fit. If you could get him for somewhere in the 15 million euro range, do you think that seems about reasonable or do you think he'd probably run a lot more? I think he's going to probably run a little bit more, knowing the length of his contract, knowing that he is a long-term captain. He's still, I think he's 28, 20, I don't think he's 29, 27, 28. So he's still very young for a defender. That There's an opportunity to bring him in, spend some of the Rocco bucks, even if you get him for 20 million. I think that that's a very fair price for a central defender who's very flexible in where he plays that can be with this squad for a long time, knowing that we don't have to only buy players who are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old and wait for them to develop. Like we now have the ability to buy a player who's 28 for 20 million, come right in and know what you're getting. And that's what I like about this squad. Someone who does not quite fit that description is Luca Cepitelli. He's 31 years old, plays at Cagliari, captains them also. He's a little bit bigger than Itzo, but definitely not as quick. According to the Gazzetta dello Sport, which is famously unreliable, particularly about Fiorentina, uh, he's a Daniele Prade favorite. Iacchini is also, they also say that Iacchini likes him. I don't see the fit here at all. I think he can pretty much only play in the middle of a back three, and he's not as good as Petzela. You know, a 31-year-old guy, probably on the downhill of his career, and I don't think he's an upgrade on Ceccarini. Do you see any way that this happens? Or is this just uh, the Gazzetta being silly? I, I'm hopeful, 
that this is not something that does happen. The reason being we've seen Prade again being linked back to Roma. So I think about it from this perspective. Is this a player that Roma would buy? I don't think so. And if it's not, then it's not a player that Fiorentina should buy because Fiorentina's ambition is to be as good, if not better, than Roma. I understand that Iacchini may like him just because of his experience. You know, if you gave Beppe a player like him on his past teams, yeah, of course, you would love him every day of the week. But we're no longer on those teams that Beppe used to coach. We're on a Rocco Camiso-owned Fiorentina, a team that's full of young players that really only has a few gaps that needs to be plugged. And this team is European-bound. Mike, you're on fire today. Knock that out of the park. I agree with you. I got nothing against Cepitelli. Obviously a great leader. Fiorentina have had pretty good luck bringing in central defender captain from Cagliari in the past with Davide Astori. But Cepitelli doesn't fit the profile that this team's looking for. His contract is up next year, so he would be available for very cheap. But even then, I don't see why you would bring him in when you've got Federico Ceccherini, who is basically the same kind of player, I would argue better, uh, already in the squad. And he loves the city of Florence. Why would you take Ceccherini out of the city that he loves, adds so much to, and wants to be in? So he's not going to be somebody who's going to be, you know, putting Rocco over the coals, trying to get an extension for money he doesn't deserve. He looks like a guy who's going to take a little bit less and add so much more value to a squad just because he loves being in the city. Keep him. Yeah, especially after the restart, I thought he was just incredible. He, he blew me away the way he played. So confident, no mistakes, really physical, very happy to push high up and chase opposing strikers to their own 18-yard box. He almost scored a worldie with, like, a full-on volley from the edge of the box after a corner. I mean, the man's feeling himself. Leave him be. Uh, I do think, too, that while we're talking about transferring in new central defenders, that should probably be the takeaway, too. Leave them be. I think Fiorentina, we're, we're talking about bringing in guys, but the club's focus pretty clearly, I think, is keeping the guys they already have rather than bringing in new talent. And that seems like a pretty good idea when you've got what was the league's best defense after Yakini joined on. So why change stuff? Petzilla, was it a week ago, talked about wanting to renew. So he put his agent back in touch with Fiorentina saying, hey, at this point, you know, I'm getting older into my career. I'm the captain. This is my squad. Let's re-up. And that makes absolute perfect sense for Petzela. I am so happy to hear that. And I know that there's a lot of people, myself included, who have been waiting to hear him come out and vocal about it. Milenkovic is maybe a little bit different. And I don't blame Milenkovic at all. Take a look at who his, his agent is, and, and that could be considered the problem. Rocco, though, seems to be putting up a wall, trying to keep him. Beppe wants him. He's obviously going to only get better. He's only going to have his value go up over the next few years. So I think, you know, if what we could do is extend both of those contracts, make them happy, and then that's what we start building around. We talked about it. Can you bring in an ETSO around those two? That would be wonderful. But the first thing we need to do is, is as this squad, as Prade is looking at it, first thing you need to do is renew Petzela and Milinkovic. 
Exactly. And I think you make a really good point there, too, when you talk about Rocco keeping players. Remember last summer when Federico Chiesa was certainly being sold somewhere and, hey, look at this, here we are more than a year later and Federico Chiesa is still part of the Fiorentina team. I think that when Rocco says he wants to keep a guy, generally he's going to keep that guy. I mean, Fali Ramadani, uh, Milenkovic's agent, a little bit different, especially given his recent history with the club, allegedly trying to sell a bunch of the top players just before the sale to Rocco went through from the Della Valles, basically trying to strip the club of its assets and make the Della Valles and Ramadani himself a nice little pile of money. Allegedly. So you, you don't really want to trust Ramadani in this circumstance, if that's true. Also, you might recall him from such greatest hits as the Nastasic and Jovetic and Lajic and all the really good Corvino-era Balkan players. So he's not a bad guy to have around. But that said, I really think that keeping Milenkovic around, refusing any offer under $70 million for him, honestly, is the right call and wait for someone like Manchester United or Real Madrid to come with that 100 million euro offer in a year or two because he's worth it. And I think the way the Mercato is going this offseason aside, because all the finances are so fluid, I don't think it makes sense to sell him this, this summer unless you really need to raise the capital for FFP. So we'll see. Well, the only reason that it makes sense to sell him, and, and the rumor right now is 40 million. The only reason that it makes sense to sell him is if you cannot renew him. So his contract expires in 2022. If Folly and, and, and Milinkovic want to play hardball, and that doesn't seem like Milinkovic's MO. You know, Milinkovic seems like a guy who's very happy here. He's grown up here. I think he would be happy staying here if it wasn't for Folly. The only reason that you sell him is if he doesn't extend the contract and you're afraid that going into next year you lose leverage in selling him. And then the value goes from 40 down to 25 because there's only a year left on his contract. You know, I can see it at that point. But, you know, this is another example where, you know, nothing against Baroni, nothing against Prade. I think if coronavirus wasn't here, if Rocco Camisa was living inside the city of Firenze 80% of the time, like he wants to, I think that a lot of these relationships would be sewn up with Chiesa, with Milenkovic, and these contracts would have already been extended. Rocco is that charismatic of a guy, and he makes you want to be one of Rocco's guys. So I think it's, uh, you know, just a, a little bit unfortunate of what's going on. I understand what you're saying. The only thing I think is if we don't extend the contract, then you may want to sell him, take the $40 million at this point. But yes, if he extends his contract, he stays, coronavirus leaves, the revenues keep going back up inside of uh, Serie A and, and all over Europe. Easily, he's a player that uh, over the next year or two, you can see that $70 million being slapped back up there. Absolutely. So, again, as much as we're talking about transfer rumors right now, hey, maybe we should have led with this, huh, Mike? Uh, podcasting 101. We're going to have to go back to the professor. I wonder if Chincota teaches that, too. I'll ask him. But, yeah, we're, we're going to have to go back just reiterate here the priority is keeping keeping what they have that said let's just run through another few reported transfer targets real quick and this is kind of fun because these last guys break into two categories very neatly for our purposes and the first the first troika 
is former Fiorentina players who left the academy under the Delavales and Corvino. And we'll start out in the center-back mold with the utterly fantastically named Alan Emperieur. 26 years old. He's at Hellas Verona. So there's already a pretty good rapport between Fiorentina and the Mastini for him. He is a Mino Raiola client, which is maybe a little bit spooky because Mino Raiola, working with him stuff. He started the year on the bench there, only made 14 appearances, but he did come on. He displaced Corey Gunter towards the end of the season, looked quite good for them. Does have a few injury issues. Hamstrings seem to be his uh, weak point. Left Fiorentina in 2015. He and Lorenzo Venuti have played together at Primavera level for years, which would be really fun to see them reunited. What do you think? Yes or no? No. <laughs> uh, and and nothing, <laughs> nothing against him. This also just goes back to the fact that I think we have quite a few players that I think are better right now in that position. And, and he's not going to be moving the needle as far as starters. So I think we have that bench in, in Ceccarini and, and Igor. Right, so if nobody is going to add to that starting position, then I don't see any, any reason to make any changes there. Nailed it. I don't think it's in his best interests either. Verona's starting defenders all being linked with moves away. He is pretty much written in ink on even Jurich's lineup sheet for next year. And I think it's definitely in his best interest to stay somewhere where he can start for a year in Serie A. And I yeah. think he'll rise to it. He's a good player, but you're, you're right. Next one, moving away from central defenders, finally. Cristiano Piccini, who is a native Florentine, so it'd be that much sweeter to get him back. He's 27. He's been out of Florence for the past half decade, left for Beppis, ended up, at Sporting in Portugal, now at Valencia, although he missed this entire past season with a broken kneecap, which sounds excruciating. That's really been the story. That's the worst place to be shot. Most painful place to be shot is your kneecap. That's what I've heard. I don't know. I'm not saying that Mike knows a guy, but if you need a guy, Mike (laughs) may or may not know a guy. And legal, yes, I see you. Hello. That's really been the story on Piccini through his whole career is the injuries. He's a very good player. Never... That's never been in doubt, but he's just missed so much time through various niggles. He's messed up his knee ligaments before. He's a right back, very good crosser, decent pace, adequate defensively, not great, but solid, knows how to get to his places. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Worth it or not? His contract is up in 2022. I'm not going to be as adamant on this one here, uh, just because I think that it all depends on where we're going from a formation standpoint. A back three makes it a little bit trickier to bring him in, but I don't know if a back three is where we stay. Obviously, that's what Pepe is doing. So I'd like to see a kid like this who's seen some success at sporting and now here at Valencia. And I think that those are two great areas to make your bones. You know, if you can go out to sporting, if you can go out to Valencia, and you can make your bones come back to the city that you were you were born and raised. I think that that's an amazing story. Plus, he has a great head of hair, so you know he fits in with the rest <laughs> of the squad. <laughs> it only makes sense. Amrabat would like a word. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I think I'm with you. I don't, the narrative is just so compelling for him to come back after five years on the Iberian Peninsula and lock down a spot in Florence's hometown. His first team as a kid. I don't see how it could possibly work. The club has invested a lot of money into Paul Lirola, and I know that after the restart, he was really quite bad, if we're being frank. But let's not forget that when he was played in his natural role on the right, he was very good. It was only when he was moved to the left that he struggled. And then Lorenzo Venuti, also after the restart, showed that he is more than capable as a backup and could probably do a job starting for a full season if necessary. Making that investment in Piccini, who would probably be, uh, after the, with the injury layoff, still probably a 10 million euro player at minimum. Do you think? I, I do. He's a really good player. I mean, he's, he's hmm. got lots of top flight experience. While he's a very good player, I don't think you're adding enough quality to the team that isn't already there. I don't think he brings enough to overcome redundancies with Lirola and Benuti. Unfortunately, he doesn't play on the left side. I, I would go get a bicycle for two and pick him up in Valencia and let him put his feet on the handlebars and pedal the whole way back to Florence. <laughs> All right. I, and I the, like that image. I want to see it. <laughs> well, go, we'll, let, we'll let that marinate for everyone for a moment. <laughs> and then we'll move on to Jacopo Petriccione, who is the third former Primavera player. Another guy who played with Emperor and Venuti. I think he's... He was a class or two younger than Piccini, so I don't think that they actually played together. Petriccione, I've always really liked him. Played at Lecce this past year, and I thought was maybe their best player. He's a defensive midfielder, definitely more of a passer and a pace setter. Loves to be on the ball. Not a great defender, although he does have that little bit of nastiness in him that you like. Did sign a contract extension also in 2019 until 2023. But with Lecce going down, do you think that he's the kind of guy Fiorentina should kick the tires on as a backup to Amrabat and Pulgar? You were getting to my exact point. I think that this is an area where if we're addressing the midfield, this is just way too much redundancy after redundancy. I think that it's great story, again, to bring a player back who started in the system. While it's a great story, it's not a fit, in my opinion. We just have too many players who have those qualities and characteristics. We need different quality and characteristics in that midfield if we're going to be adding players. And, and in my opinion, we do need to add another playmaking midfielder. I think that's reasonable, unless he wants to take a big hometown discount. Because I do think that as a backup to Amrabat and Bulgar, if one of them goes out, there's no... I mean, Alfred Duncan can fill in back there, but I like him a little bit higher up the field. If he's willing to take that discount or take that little bit of a pay cut, maybe, although compared to Lecce, it might still be a raise, I would be fine with it. But yeah, I think you can get other people who can do more or less the same kind of thing, maybe for cheaper. But I wouldn't be upset if this one went through. I think it's, it'd be cool and it'd be fun to see him back. The next trio of players is the Bayern Munich circa 2015 hypothesis, which is sort of hilarious. I think that Frank Ribery is probably more responsible for this than anyone, if we're being honest. Now that he's in Florence and everyone is saying, oh, well, which of his other teammates could come back? Arjen Robin, 
No dice. He's at Groningen, and also I hate him, so I'm glad that's not happening. <laughs> Let's see now. We've heard about Mario Mandzukic, who could possibly sign. He's available on a free. He was in the Emirates, but mutually terminated his contract. Veteran guy. We've talked about him on here before, so let's not go in depth. But while we're doing the ex-Bayern hypothesis, Mike, Mandzukic or no Mandzukic? Me personally, I would love for us to bring in Mandzukic just because of what he brings from a quality standpoint, experience, and even some leadership because we have a lot of young players that are playing up on that front line and and no matter which one goes out on loan somebody's going to be staying in that's still very young and needs to be um, having some some type of mentorship going on there the other thing that I like from this standpoint is it doesn't force us into spending 30 to 40 maybe 50 million at that position again understanding that we have quite a few players that just have a lot of great potential over the next few years to grow into uh, the center forward, second striker type role. So I I like bringing him in and then leveraging some of that money to put into somebody like Inizzo, a playmaking midfielder, that left midfield, left back role, depending on the formation that that we're running. Those are kind of the areas that I think that we need to spend money in. And this would allow us to save, not having any upfront costs. Yes, 4 million in, in salary, but I think that that's something that uh, Rocco would be happy to, uh, to put the money towards. And this would excite the fan base, I believe. You're probably right about that. I think I'm a little bit cooler on Mandzukic than a lot of people. Obviously, an immensely experienced player, great leader for club and country, don't doubt his work rate at all. He is the kind of guy where I'm worried that since so much of his effectiveness is built on his athleticism and his fitness, that now that he's, what, 34? I worry that he's going to lose that very quickly, fall off the cliff, and because he's not an especially technical striker, that he wouldn't bring that value. He's also never been the most natural finisher in the world, and so I don't think that he would be that source of goals that the club really needs. But when you put it the way that you put it, Mike, I'm a lot more persuaded, I'm going to be honest. So I, could, I can absolutely say, see the use case even if I don't, I'm not totally on board with it, but that's fine. And then let's close out our Bayern Munich trio with Ribéry, Mandzukic. And the third one is Javi Martinez. He is one of my favorite players on that Bayern team. I loved him at Bilbao too. Just such a smart player, always in the right place. Great in that holding role, very good in distribution. His sense of the game, where the ball's going to be, is so good. I think he would make a wonderful addition to the team. But the redundancy thing, when you've got Amrabat, when you've got Pulgar, do you want to spend on a guy like Javi Martinez? Again, unbelievably talented player, if not for all of the injuries that he suffered in his career, would probably be described as equal to Sergio Busquets is the greatest defensive midfielder of his generation. But the injuries are definitely a problem. He's 31 now, so again, he's not going to get less likely to be hurt. And he's probably going to want a decent-sized wage. Do you think that bringing him in makes sense? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, if If this is an actual option for the club, 
I'm, I'm jumping at it. To me, this reminds me of the days of where we went back to Peck, uh, Jacquin uh, Aquilani. We, we brought in a lot of those players that were probably in their prime better than Fiorentina, but, but still came in and added tremendous value for two or three years at the club. And now look, we have Aquilani back coaching the Primavera team. So I, I think that this is a perfect situation going against everything that I've said already before, but that's okay. That happens. Um, <laughs> to, to bring in just an immense talent, somebody who knows Ribery, and more importantly, you know, as we're watching the games play out and we see Ribery is just so much more advanced, not physically, because physically he's, he's slowing down a bit. You know, he can still move with the ball at his feet and, and get past anybody, but mentally, He's moving three, three more steps before anybody else. That's not going to happen if we bring in Javi. Javi comes in, that's somebody who can actually help to set players up, get them motivated and, and moving in the right way, teach them to be a little bit more advanced than they are today. And I think that's what this squad needs. Again, we've talked about it. They're so young. They're so impressionable. If you give them a couple mentors like a Ribery, a Javi, Gone is Tiago, gone is Vertonghen, but I think that this guy would be absolutely phenomenal. And I can't imagine that he would cost all that much. He has, I think, one year left on his contract. He has a very professional relationship with Bayern. He's added so much to that club, and he is, you know, somewhat used sparingly right now. So I, I don't see Bayern being somebody that's looking for 15 million or even 10 million for him. If you can bring him over for something shorter than that, even alone, give him $4 million a year, the Ribéry. Oh, I, I don't know if I would go quite that high on him, but I agree. He is a really good player. I, I, I think he might be out of that generation of Spanish midfielders. In a lot of ways, he might be my favorite. I just loved watching him play so much for Spain. And under Bielsa at Athletic, I thought he was uh, just untouchably good. I do worry about the fit. I know that he can also play center back, but in a back three, he could only play in the middle. And Petzela's there, and you don't displace the club captain, especially if he signs an extension. If Javi Martinez is ready to maybe come in and continue playing a little bit of that second fiddle role, like he has been at, at Bayern, and really focus on being a mentor, then I'm all for it. I just, I'm not sure he can be convinced of that. I mean, he is still 31. And as someone who's ancient at 32, let me tell you, 31, you got your whole <laughs> life in front of you. 32, it's all over. So you, this is a big year for him. But I, I, I've seen some stories linking him back to Athletic Bilbao, and I imagine that would be the emotional choice for him. It would probably be pretty hard to resist. If he can be convinced to come to Fiorentina on reasonable terms, great. But I'm not sure that I believe that's possible. I guess time will tell. I still think that there's an opportunity to allow Ribery to be Ribery and try to convince him to come in here. And that would probably be the primary reason. And everybody's going into that eyes wide open. Like, you know, Fiorentina is not right now the place everybody wants to be. We're not in Europe, but we still have Ribery. And then if we bring in Javi, are we now the team that has Ribery and Javi? Now maybe more players want to come in and, you know, have some time with those guys. Who knows? That's a great point, and it is also worth pointing out that Bayern Munich do need to trim their squad. I've been hearing that they want to raise some funds because pretty much all of their money has gone to Leroy Sané, 
in this transfer market. So if they want to bring anyone else, they do need to sell. And also, I'm not the most reliable source on this stuff. After all, I still think that Andre Duda is closing in on his Fiorentina move. <laughs> every so, year. Every year. And so with that, we'll go ahead and end this segment, but stick around. We do have something very fun coming up after this. And we're back. And we have a very special segment now. With us today is Yotam. A lot of you know hey. him as Hisanka from the Viola Nation comment section. He is founder and leader of Viola Club Israel. He is also possibly a vampire because no matter what time we publish an article, he is the first comment on it every single time. Yotam, how are you doing in your coffin? Hi, um, my coffee is great, actually. It's very, very warm and dry here. Uh, that's how I like things here. Uh, but actually, sometimes people do beat me to the late night threads you're uploading there. So I'm not the absolute first commenter, but yeah, I am pretty much always there. <laughs> and, and you're over by the beach that. there, aren't you? Uh, yeah, pretty close to the beach. Couple minutes walk is, is pretty close. Yeah, that's that's close enough to get your eyeballs wet when you're looking out the window. <laughs> it's pretty easy being very close to the beach when a lot of your country's ge geography is very narrow, so most of the people are pretty close to the beach, not not unlike in the USA. Let's go ahead and start this off. We always ask this with everyone who comes on, especially people who aren't Italian and don't really have a whole lot of connections to Tuscany. What made you pick Fiorentina as your team originally? That, that's a good one. I think what really got me going at being a fan of Fiorentina is I really liked the color the first time I saw a match. My dad, we were on, on a holiday, a family holiday in, uh, in Florence. And it was, I think, either the 10-11 season or the 11-12 season and my dad took me to a, a home game we were playing up against uh, Juventus and yeah it was it was a really boring match it was 0-0 at the end a scoreless tie and all I could see is the fans going at it and the purple shirts running around and the whole atmosphere was just was really crazy for I don't know what I, I was like 16 at the time 15 it was just it was immaculate it was really mind-blowing to see that so yeah that's what got me going at the whole viola experience I'm a fan since that's great a clean sheet nil nil tie against Juve it might be boring but there's not much better than that we, we, we enjoy those games I think it was also Maybe Montalivo's last game for the team, or one of the last like few ones, I think. I'm not sure, but I think. Excuse me, that's former AC Milan captain Ricardo Montalivo, please. <laughs> you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know who's not going to be the answer to this question, <laughs> Ricardo Montalivo. Uh, you know, just thinking back at, at your time of being a fan of the club, do you have any favorite players? Could be past, could be present. And is there any favorite moments, whether it's something that you've watched on TV or if you've had uh, the opportunity to see 
more games because it doesn't sound like a nil-nil draw against Juve may qualify, but what is the favorite moment that you have? Okay, so the first part, uh, favorite players, I really, really like, of course, Jovetic. Everyone likes Jovetic. Great pick. <clears throat> yeah, you might have heard of him. I also really liked Alberto Aquilani when he was with the club as a player. I also love him as a manager now, but just as a player, he was really, really classy and he was a really good number 10, I remember, in, in the Viola shirt. As for the current squad, I really like Castrovilli. He's like, I have a, a good affinity towards uh, midfielders and like the classic 10 midfielders. So Gaetano is really, I'm in love with him. I, I have his jersey from the last season, the one that just ended. And I'm seriously thinking of buying another jersey of Gaetano next year for, for the new uh, jerseys that were just now that we have the Kappa jerseys. And, and just to give you an idea, for those who aren't taking a look at uh, Yotam, he has some Stefan Jovetic hair going on here. There are some similarities. <laughs> it's not frizzly or curled, but it is of the, the length. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you could um, probably get into the salon and get it permed out and really get the dead ringer going on. Oh, geez, that, I wouldn't do that. It, it would just look horrible on me. <laughs> Maybe oh. I'd get the, the Catharis braids. Oh, boy. Yeah, you're not going to be able to wear a shirt if you do that, though. Really live that Catharis lifestyle. <laughs> Need a shell necklace as well. And a, a mild tan. <laughs> well, over in Israel, down by the beach, you should be able to get a tan pretty easily. <laughs> Yeah, I, I go from white to pink to red. I don't get tan. So, yeah, that's my, my gradient. <laughs> I, I have the same good. Irish curse. <laughs> <laughs> so, you asked about favorite moments as well. I think, I, I don't think any of my two recent uh, matches I've been in are anything less than great to say that I've been at. I've been at the 2017-2018 it was the 3-3 against Inter. And right after it, it I, I was in the Frankie in another 3-3 against Atalanta. So these were back-to-back 3-3 uh, draws that I was at. And they were both like nail-biters to the end. I met some really awesome fans, like I said, with this Inter Interfan that worked in Florence, and we sat we we after the game, like talking for like, I don't know, half an hour. And but, but the goals that these games, no, wait, what year was that? We had in Uriel, it, it couldn't have been 17 18, right? 18 yeah, 19. Been, yeah, last year. Yeah, that's 18 19. Yeah, we had Uriel. So he scored that crazy free kick against the Inter. Oh, yeah, he always does. Yeah, and, and like the 98-minute penalty from Veritu, those were crazy. Yeah, which, if we're being honest, was not much of a penalty. But hey, let's go ahead and skip that and move on to something else here. So <laughs> we've, we've mentioned that you're frequently one of the first commenters, if not the first commenter on everything we write, which is cool. And we are very much in favor of that. But you're also a big supporter of the women's side, which is really cool always good when people are willing to kind of cross the divide and support 
all aspects of Fiorentina. Do you have any favorite players on the women's side right now? So my favorite player from uh, the women from the women's side was Paloma Lazaro. I really liked her. I really liked the, the style of play she had when Mr. Chincota let her play. But I liked Guani as well. Everybody loves Aliyah. I mean, you can't not love her. I think the player I'm most excited about right now in the team is uh, Martina Piemonte. I mean, she's a young striker. She she came from, she was at Rome and she was at uh, Betis, if I'm not mistaken. I've seen some videos of her scoring some amazing goals, and she seems like a really hard worker on the field. So yeah, I think her pairing with Tati or uh, Tatiana uh, Bonetti is gonna be really good. But the team has undergone a real uh, overhaul and. A big change for uh, Antonio to handle, and I hope that they get the, the deserved results because they really deserve it. We need to be the next champions. It would be yeah. nice to knock Juve off of that top spot. And uh, you mentioned Chincota. He and Mike are super close buddies. You know, go out, share a bottle of wine every once in a while. What uh, do you have? You met Chincota at all, or talked with him? No, I I, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting Antonio. Um, I've only friended him on Facebook and uh, we share a laugh like once in a, in a while, but I haven't met him. I, the last time I've been in Florence was a year and a half and I've had a trip canceled because of COVID and yeah, it was supposed to be the whole Viola Nation meeting and damn it, I'm so bummed. But <laughs> yeah. other than that, I, I really, I really want to meet everyone on the, on the entire club like from the men's team to the women's team to the primavera everyone deserves like a firm handshake and a good pat on the back saying you're doing good well yeah. now that Cyril terrio is not on the roster i couldn't agree with you more <laughs> oh man <laughs> this guy <laughs> i mean we could be getting bought thing back i don't know he's no Cyril. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah so we'll see so you know understanding you know kind of what's going on within the Fiorentino uh feminality what are your thoughts for this upcoming season? You mentioned that it would be nice for this squad who is revamped to be able to take down Juve for the first time in a couple of years. Do you think it can happen? Definitely. I definitely think so. I think the team has a very good mix of youth and experience. Um, also international experience like uh, Neto that came into the midfield. I think that the team definitely has everything to take Juve of their high, very high throne. Generally, I think the women's team that we have is one of the strongest right now, uh, seeing like the, the Women's Champions League and how the team have performed in the past and seeing the, the roster that we have right now with Quinn and Neto and uh, everyone that came aboard with the um, right mix of, of youth. I think that every player can learn there and develop into being a great player of their own. Like seriously, the great mix of youth and, and experience couldn't be said otherwise. Yeah. And speaking of Chincota, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Tito did a uh, article on the women's and the, the potential formation changes that would come as a result. Antonio reached out to me and, and said that that was just a, a stellar job from breaking down the analysis of the players and the women, the formation. I think that going into this year, there's just so much potential in every aspect. If you take a look at it, the back line, the midfield, 
and then the forwards scoring goals, I, I don't see any kind of chink in that armor that we could, you know, be, be missing anything unless there happens to be some, some injuries. So I share your enthusiasm. I think it's going to be a good year. I would just like to be able to watch them a little bit more. I think one of the most uh, noticeable changes we're going to see is the ability for Chincota to go from four in the back to three in the back and vice versa. Uh, I think he's going to have a lot of dynamism in the formation. That's something I'm really interested to watch. But, hey, while we're talking about watching things, this is another thing that we like to ask people who aren't in Italy or in Florence and don't watch a lot of games live. What is it like for you to watch a game? So, like, just to start with, what time do they usually come on? We're not that ahead of uh, Italy in, in terms of time zones. It's usually, I don't know, it ranges from sometimes in, in the, like, midday fixtures. It, it can start 12 Maybe 1, no. 1 p.m. or uh, yep. 4 p.m. The latest I've seen a, a game go is like 10.30 p.m., maybe 11. But those aren't really problem to catch. Even, even on the local uh, channels, it, it's not that hard to watch them. Some, some channels don't stream, but it's not that hard to catch Viola here. But I definitely have... Other means of, of watching, I, I pay for something else, but yeah. Good to hear that you're a vampire and not a pirate. So does that mean you usually watch at home or do you get a lot of games on TV? I definitely watch at home almost all of the matches, but yeah, it, it, I don't have a, a TV sub. So yeah, I, I use a, a specific uh, subscription to watch it. And it's either on the computer via the website or streaming from the phone to the TV. It makes sense. You know, and so as we're starting to really talk a little bit about uh, watching the game, understanding that you're watching it at home, you've taken a step to try to grow a lot of the Fiorentina fandom inside of the, the country of Israel. Recently, you formed Viola Club Israel. Uh, you are now an official member. I still believe that it's just one. But talk to us a little bit about the process uh, what that was like for you and, um, you know, where you think you're going to be going next. Okay, so first off, the biggest thank you here goes to Mike <laughs> for helping me with the assembly and guiding me through this process with uh, either the ATF or the ACCVC, whichever we had success with, but it, it was very, very nice and smooth working with you. So thank you very much for helping me uh, getting this done. So yeah, opening the the Viola Club Israel wasn't really I don't know it was it wasn't it wasn't planned I I'll say it wasn't planned but as soon as I saw that Rocco had the initiative to make the Viola brand more global and international and I've seen Mike write a few times that he's working with a few people to put new Viola clubs in in new places in the world, either be it in, in the United States being new states or uh, more cities or brand new clubs that I've seen pop up in, in many places. It was very hard to be decisive on, on whether to get this club going or not. It's because I don't know anyone else from Israel that is a Viola fan. I did meet someone once that was like, he said he was partially a fan of Fiorentina, but he didn't really know 
what the team was after asking him. <laughs> so I'm not sure there are a lot of fans in Israel, but they, I, I do need to, to do a, a bit of search for uh, people here that enjoy the viola or have some sort of interest in them. Yeah, and you have a beautiful, beautiful uh, flag that you put together. Uh, the logo was, was phenomenal. Uh, and, and I know at this point, you're, you're aware that, you know, my wife's family is from Israel. So at some point over the next few years, certainly as, as the coronavirus allows for it, uh, we'll be heading over there to visit some of their family. And I know we'll definitely meet up. If I recall correctly, still owe me a beer. Yes, I do. <laughs> so I'll, I'll definitely help you try to recruit some new members uh, for the Viola Club Israel. And hopefully by then you have uh, a couple new people that are able to watch the games with you. Enjoy the enthusiasm that you have. Yeah, fingers crossed. I do get some flack from other people for not having any members in the Viola Club, but that's, that doesn't really matter because one club, uh, one-man clubs are still clubs. Yeah, that comes that comes from Rocco's mouth. Rocco has said he wants the Viola Club started because when one person's there, more will follow. And Rocco is a man to listen to. And just to throw it out there too, uh, how can people find you on the internet? What are the website, social media accounts, all of that? Okay, so right now I only have the Twitter going and the Instagram going because it's very hard to operate your own social life and have the Viola Club pages as well. So they are at Viola Club Israel on both. And you're welcome to follow. I try to put out more content. It's pretty hard taking licensed pictures and posting them. But still, we're going to make it someday. <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. Uh, is everything official? Have you been announced through ATF? I have not been announced. Like uh, a representative told me I will be, but I do have a certificate of uh, authenticity. I don't know. I'm, I have been certified by the ATF. I'll try to reach back out, see if we can get that official announcement. And once that's done, Viola Nation would be very proud to piggyback off of that, uh, do a story with you and, and then be able to launch that. We'll try to see if we can get it into some of my uh, my wife's family's channels to, to create some awareness of what you're doing and hopefully somebody will want to join soon. Before we transition away from the whole Viola Club Israel, I think we'd, you know, just be hard pressed if we did not ask about this. A couple of years ago, a couple of members of Fiorentina made their way over to Bethlehem, donated a field in, in the name of Davide Astore. Not sure if you've been there, so I'm just, you know, kind of curious to get your thoughts about the field, if you know anything about it. Yeah, so I was very aware of that when Antonioni was here as well, I think. And I think Hugo, who else was here? I don't remember really who was here yeah, so. from the players. Federico was there. Federico was there. Okay, so that's, that's I, I didn't remember him, but I definitely do remember that being not, not that of a big thing here, but also not being such a big deal really anywhere. I, I don't know. I mean, my political views are very, very X and un, unrelated to this. And this was a very, in my opinion, it was a sort of a political act. So I didn't give it any big importance in the timeline of being a fan. And I, I mean, it's very cherished that they came here and they uh, donated a field or two or three, but it also I know I know that 
for a fact, they didn't really do much more than that in Israel. They came, yeah. they went to Jerusalem, went to Bethlehem to do that, and then they went. So this was under the Della Valle, so I don't really ask much from them about the public image of Fiorentina. But now that, that Rocco is, is the owner and, and president of Fiorentina, or not president, but owner of the, of the club and franchise, I think it would be nice to see some, some visits in countries from representative or, or bringing the, the brand to new countries other than Italy and I don't know, wherever they have stores. I mean, we have Kappa here. Why not sell Fiorentina shirts in, in, in here? I've never seen a Fiorentina shirt here. That, that specific event is not, I don't think it's very, it's not worth getting into a fight over political views just because uh, a certain club donated fields to, to, to some people, uh, whether be it anyone in the world or I don't know. No, it makes sense. No, and in Israel, I know it's very big with soccer. So it just makes sense that Israel would be one of those areas that if you're looking for expansion, it seems like a natural process. Yeah, we love, we love uh, football. We're not very good at it, but we do have some, <laughs> some talent scattered around Europe or Asia or anywhere. Well, in that case, we're going to go ahead and wrench this back around from something that maybe is a little tricky to discuss to something that we can definitely start fights about. What do you think... Fiorentina's top priority should be in this transfer window, Yotam. Okay, the top priority should be the left back. The left back cannot be Dalbert. Dalbert is not ours. He's not our player. He, he may have had almost 10 assists last season, but if you saw his plays, he is not up to par with the rest of the links that he's playing with. Let it be Caceres on the left uh, center back or Pulgar and Duncan and Castrovilli in the middle. Or actually, he had a good link with Ribery, but you can't have the player just play with Ribery. So I think if Dalbert stays, and I think it's likely that he will stay, we either have him for the season and then get rid of him because we've made a mistake in the Mercato, or we buy a new left winger, or rather left fullback, and we give him the stage. Because we don't really have a natural uh, left wing back in the, in the team. Tertic is just, I don't think he's up for it. He's more of a winger than a wing back. I wish we had kept Hansko, but he's at, at, the, at Prague in, in Czechia. So that's that. And Ranieri is just, I don't think he's going to be good wide. So we either get a new wing back or stick with Dalbert for a season, which, which is bad. I agree wholeheartedly. That's been something we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit, y'all might remember. So in that case, who would be your dream signing in that position? Oof. I don't know many left wing backs, but I think someone like, in, in the realm of Spinazzola, but not Spinazzola, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I think of Kolarov when I think of a good left wing back. Kolarov and Manuel Pascual. So 
that crossing ability and that dead ball ability is definitely number one, maybe even more definitely. than the pace. Definitely. The, I don't think the left... Dalbert is pretty fast, but his pace is not making up for any of his mistakes crossing or passing. Manuel Pascual wasn't the more athletic player, but his passing was dead on. He was so good with the ball. So uh, a mix between the two skills or just have a good passer because that's more important than pace. What would you say to Leo Messi at left wing back? Sounds like he wants out of Barca. And if he's looking for a new project, this would probably be an interesting one for him. Can we just play Messi alone? I mean, if we sell the whole squad, we may get enough cash to get him, right? Right? <laughs> we may afford him for a season, right? His wages are like 40 mil. I don't know, something in the region. That also <laughs> depends on taxes, which allegedly with Lionel Messi, allegedly everyone, we're not committing any slander here. I've got the legal department tapping on the glass right now, holding up signs. Allegedly. I, I think I, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. I think I see Christopher's agent there, so... Uh... Oh, that might mean we need to end this podcast because, uh, yeah, he's got the crowbar again, and I probably need to get out the back here. Yotam, thank you so much for coming on with us. This has been an absolute blast. Thank you for hosting me. This has been a really enjoyable podcast to listen to all the episodes five times a day. Really seriously do that. <laughs> you, you heard the man. That's where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> Yola Station is hosted by Mike and Tito. Tito also produced this episode. Huge thank you to Yotam Shadi, alias Hasanka, of Viola Club Israel. You can follow Viola Club Israel under that handle on social media. Our theme song is Great Catch by Windchime Weather. Check them out at windchimeweather.bandcamp.com. Viola Station is the podcast from Viola Nation. Viola Nation is part of the SB Nation Network. Forza Viola! Podcast Network.